Hi, this is Brian Michael Bendis, and you are listening to Ultimate Spin. Ultimate Spin. Welcome to Ultimate Spin, the one and only Spider-Man podcast specifically for fans of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen. My name is Brian, and in this episode, we'll discuss Spider-Man number 16, which welcomes new artist Oscar Basildua and sees Miles redefine street-level Spider-Man in a very surprising way. My name is Jack, and if this is your first time checking out our show, you can head to ultimatespinpodcast.com. There you can subscribe to the podcast, stream and download all of our older episodes, including interviews with the creative team, and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our show is by fans and for fans, meaning we enjoy hearing what you think of these characters and their stories. Don't be shy to reach out, we'd love to hear from you. But it's now my turn to give the recap a go. In the, in the absence of Kyle, once again, I will do my best. So, Spider-Man number 16. We open with Black Cat and Hammerhead laying down their version of the law and getting ready to go to war with Mr. D. Miles and Rio finally sit down and talk rationally, but Rio eventually breaks down and ends up running away. Later that evening, Miles goes out to do some superheroing and accidentally causes more trouble than he actually solves. Finally, we end with Genki and Danica flirting, but Genki still manages to stay loyal to Miles. It's a trap, Genki. It, it probably is, yes. All right. Well, with the Miles and Gwen crossover behind us and the new issue or the previous issue with uh, Simon Kudransky and Art, uh, we now kick off with our new artist, Oscar Basildu, who's going to be on the book for a while. First thoughts on, on his style? Feels back to the kind of more classic superhero stuff. Kudransky was a big tonal shift, as we discussed pretty extensively. Yeah. That was kind of the the standout for the last issue was the darkness and the tone and the noir kind of feel of Simon Kodransky's artwork. This feels more back to the kind of Marquez and Pacelli kind of stuff that we're, we're used to. And for my money, Basil Dewitt is doing a fantastic job. Oh yeah. I think think it looks great. I think, I mean, his opening scene, he had to start with some pretty iconic characters, uh, Mm, established characters, a hammerhead and the black cat. And hammerhead is such a goofy character. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yet that quite a lot of spider-man villains are to be fair right i mean but just the, the whole i mean he's particularly goofy and I, I just think like that's probably the most realistic i've seen him mm, if yeah, that makes yeah. sense like he he didn't he didn't look he literally has like a hammer for a head sometimes right and, and for whatever reason it didn't look particularly awkward or or goofy i mean he was genuinely kind of sinister and and menacing there with the rolled up sleeves and you know the the kind of sharp look he had and then of course the black cat is for me always kind of been a one note character i I never really saw the appeal besides the obvious uh for her but i mean that's again like that's he he brings her in and does the the glamour shot not really glamour shot but you know the full body shot like it's perfectly executed. Um, she looked amazing. So like when, like right out of the gate, when you, when you get those two characters, perfect, it just set the tone. Like this is going to be, this is going to be great. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think another thing I really liked, uh, that, uh, Basil Dua brought to the table was his, 
his acting, his range of expressions, and mm, that definitely. scene with with Miles and Rio. Um, first of all, I love the fact that they're kind of bookending those uh, conversations Miles had with his dad in the park uh, since the very beginning of the series. When they, I mean, they've had some pretty heartfelt moments on there. Uh, everything from Jefferson talking about his uh, sort of fear of superpowered people to like confessing his failings as a dad. And now they're now miles and his mom are having a similar uh, moment on, on an emotional level and real in particular, I, I thought she was really the star here through his artwork. I mean, her range of expressions from just like mad to heartbroken and even miles, like kind of, handling this i mean his reactions show that he's trying to handle this with with a lot of care i i was blown away by by the range here that uh, basil new was showing i completely agree yeah absolutely miles has this kind of sheepish little look on his face in a panel and then the next panel rio has just got this absolute powerful stare aimed directly down at him and then the next panel he's kind of like oh, everything will be fine and trying to like come out of his She's being a little bit less shy and kind of step up to his mom a little bit, but then she just looks solemn and everything is facial expressions. Almost, you could almost have that conversation as a silent conversation. And Lord knows we wouldn't because Brian Michael Bendis is writing this issue, but there's some fantastic, like you said, Brian, acting is the right word. It's this just a way of conveying story and emotions just through the characters' faces. And Ponza's lighting is fantastic as well. Ponza's compliments the the shadows and the the sunlight that kind of cascades down on them as they're sat in the park. Ponza's lighting work is absolutely incredible. And the, the shades across Rio's face as she turns and looks at Miles, she will suddenly be silhouetted against the sun. And it's this beautiful combination of the the lighting and the acting and the expressions of the characters really matching and being really in sync with one another really helps convey the emotions and the the power, the importance of that conversation that they're having. Yeah. I mean, we, we've said this before, while there have been some issues that we'd connected with more than others, we have consistently been spoiled uh, <laughs> in terms of the art on this book from, from the very beginning. I mean, it's, and uh, I think Basil Dua, like he, this, this is a, this was stunning to look at. I, I'm really almost struggling to find out or figure out ways to to talk about it because I was just knocked out. I mean, I think from here, from like we go from this, you know, kind of quiet conversation to to an action scene. I mean, we should we should talk about that. It's absolutely crazy, super Spider Man. There's lots of split jump kicks and swinging around and punching and thwipping and stuff it looks as you said brian absolutely fantastic and once again ponza's coloring and lighting perfectly matches up with basil doer's dark kind of more neon tinged kind of inside a, a a grimy kind of bar vibe and it works so so well i think they're, they're both absolutely as you said I'm going to steal a phrase from you, knocked it out of the park <laughs> in this issue. I think he really tapped into the emotion of the, the script for that bar fight sequence because the we jumped ahead a little bit, but the sort of lead up to that is Miles stops a street level crime, which, first of all, how great is that to see after, I don't know how long it's been. It feels like it's been ages after 
jumping dimensions and superhero civil wars and all that. Just somebody tried to, or somebody robbed something from somebody else and Spider-Man jumps in to, to save the day. But he gets particularly ticked off when he sees that the robber injured his victim on top of uh, stealing the bag from her. And so by the time you get to that bar fight, he is, he kind of loses it, which was exciting and interesting and a little, little scary to see. And so his poses during the fight, I mean, I can't remember the last time or if ever I've seen Miles Morales as Spider-Man look menacing. I mean, he's got like full flex on the muscles and like the fist cocked and just ready to just let it all out. And then by the time you get to that fantastic uh, double page spread where he, you realize he's late or he realizes he's laid out the entire bar. He just has that uh, Job from Arrested Development reaction. Like I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad Job impression. (laughs) Channeling your inner will on it. That's right. It's so nice to see Miles be a young man. Like I, I feel like a lot of young men have not just really anger issues, but you know, testosterone's flowing. You're a teenager. You're going through those changes. Kids get into fights and take things too far and end up breaking bones or whatever, and don't necessarily do it on purpose. It's not a malicious thing. You're just like, oh, I just want to. I need to release this teenage energy, and it's it's a great kind of character moment for miles to realize oh yeah i am one of the strongest guys around which we talk about quite a lot thanks to things like the venom sting but this is no fancy you know he doesn't do his electrical super explosion thing that we talked about before or the venom sting this is him just fists and feet flying whipping butt left right and center and you kind of realize oh yeah he is spider-man like Spider-Man is incredibly powerful and strong and super powered and no basic human stands a chance. He's just snapping baseball bats in half, smashing people through tables. It's absolutely fantastic. And it's great for the character to kind of realize not necessarily his limits, but his, how kind of strong he, he can be and realize his own strength. You mentioned the, the whole teenage thing and the, the emotions and intensity that comes with that. And that's, that's really it. I think that's why overall, I think this issue was a success for me and really captured the reasons I fell in love with the original ultimate Spider-Man book in the first place. I mean, that conversation with Rio that leads up to all this, that, that begins the book. I mean, it's very intense. And I love the fact that her, feelings of being hurt and feeling betrayed they weren't kind of handily resolved in one issue this is this is deep and it's going to go on for a while and you know it wasn't even like jefferson wasn't even a part of this issue this was really about her relationship with her son you know think about the things that she and jefferson had to navigate together now they're kind of being echoed in uh, her relationship with miles and that's tough and that came through as we talked about in the acting and then she she runs away. And then from Miles' side, it's a it's that feeling of helplessness and just he needs to blow off some steam and goes off on, on patrol and sees this uh, this robbery. And then, again, someone who's helpless and taken advantage of. And he just, it, I, I, for me, it was like wanting to assert some control. And so, like, 
that desire combined with just like, as you said, the testosterone and just not being able to sort of regulate your emotions fully yet. And then it just explodes in that fight. That was great. That's such welcome territory for me as a reader. Uh, it's it's such an interesting thing. And it, it fleshes out Miles as a character in a really great way. So yeah, I think if uh, the previous issue was, you know, very dark in its tone, I, I, I don't think this is dark in, in the same like Miles is going to go bad, but no, of course not. he's navigating a lot of stuff. Like his dad doesn't want to go him to go down the path that he went down to. And Miles is aware of that path and he doesn't want to go down that path either. And he's trying to figure out who he is and things are not working out for him. And there's just that helplessness and like, that's how you respond. So he's checking himself at the end. I need to see more happen with that. And I, I can't wait. I think you brought up an important point of it relating to his conversation with his mother and that that is something Spider-Man cannot solve. That is a problem Miles Morales has to deal with as a man, as a person, as a human being, as a teenager, as a person with a mother. There is nothing he can't swing and kick through a table or smash a baseball bat and, and solve the problem with his mum. But that's what makes superpowered people into superheroes that that makes people who they are like you have the problem with i mean peter parker's been through similar sort of things when he's had there's the conversation in the upcoming film spider-man homecoming of if you need the suit to be spider-man then you're not spider-man and that's the the conversation i feel like there's this kind of internal thing of who am i am i spider-man am i miles morales I can't solve the problem as Miles, but maybe I can do do something good as Spider-Man. And it ends up going badly, and he's kind of channeling that negative emotion into his Spider-Man kind of persona from being Miles. And it comes up a lot with Superman as well, this all-powerful being who can basically do anything, and even in the, the films can turn back time and wipe people's memories and is completely indestructible and all this sort of stuff. But then you have something like his father dying and he dies of a heart attack mm. and there's nothing Superman can do in the comics to stop his father from dying from a heart attack. And that's an important lesson. It's this, you can't solve every problem just by punching it and just by being a superhero. Sometimes you need to be a person. Sometimes you need to be a son, a father, a daughter, a brother, a sister, and be there for people as a person and not as a superhero. And I think M Miles is strangely kind of tenured in his superhero career already like he's been around longer than i i think he has because huh. he still feels so new and so young but he's actually been around for a while it feels like he's been spider-man for a long time in the real world but i love that in the comics he's still learning stuff he's still developing as a person and and, and trying to find his identity because it would be silly for you know 17 year old miles to just be like yeah i'm spider-man i know who i am problem solved and what as you said brian what makes this character so relatable and what makes characters like spider-man in general whether it's peter parker or spider-woman and gwen or miles so relatable is that young people can relate to the difficulties they have and we can as as older people can relate to oh yeah i had that argument with my dad right when i was 17 as well oh yeah i, I had that problem and i went off to blow off some steam i ended up breaking my bike or smashing something by accident or you know that sort of thing and it's those relatable moments that i think make miles such a compelling character and i think he 
perhaps him and maybe Kamala Khan are probably the two best examples of that in superhero comics at the moment for me. So here's a question for you. Um, clearly, there's a lot we enjoyed about this. What, if anything, didn't work for you in, in this issue? I'm still not convinced about this whole Danica Ganky thing. Okay. That's, that, that's the kind of the, the last two pages are full of funny little quips and stuff. Like, we need to talk about the you don't look like a Ned moment because oh <laughs> he told us about it in the in our oh. interview that he had he got permission for it he couldn't wait to to lay that oh. joke out there that was great just just the best but i don't care about danica and i care so much about ganky i'm i'm worried like you said brian is this a setup for her to just get to spider-man miles and just throw ganky by the wayside it doesn't I feel like they're, they're either giving it not enough weight, or, or maybe maybe it's it's kind of telling it through the eyes of Ganky and his naivety. But I, I don't particularly care about Danica. I just care what happens to Ganky, and I guess that that in a way that's them effectively tying her into the story because they know people care about Ganky. Brian Michael Bendis knows Ganky is kind of a fan favorite character. Yeah, I think he described him as the soul of the book. <laughs> yeah, he's the soul of the book. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just not that enthused with Danica. I don't she she when she first appeared, we were all kind of down on her as well. I remember Kyle in particular mm. being this kind of like, oh, she's kind of a stereotypical young YouTuber kind of it, it, she doesn't feel like a real person yet maybe that's because she hasn't got enough page time hasn't got enough screen time as it were right but uh, yeah and danica just doesn't do anything for me at the moment as, as a character whereas ganky is so well established and you know we, we're even building up other side characters who've had uh gold orbs gold balls <laughs> show up and right. Fab- fabio's been fantastic um and the complete opposite end at the very beginning of the book i still don't see black cat as a threat I don't get this whole like, oh, she's a super mega badass kingpin she's, yeah, style. Yeah, she's a kingpin. Like, no, I, I don't. She wanders in head to toe in leather, looks like the black cat as ever, intimidates people through like sexual tension and then walks <laughs> off. Like, <laughs> and stuff blows up. Yeah, it's weird. that like, She hasn't really done anything to justify this like, oh my God, it's the black cat kind of thing. It, it just feels a bit unearned at the moment for me that was the weak point in this issue for me as well and i think i see where it's going that miles just trashed this bar uh, and i'm assuming probably some people that she might work with or rely on as muscle got caught up in that so if we're kind of building to some sort of gang war i don't know um i'm not really invested in it yet uh the only thing that was kind of a question mark is mr d who is mr d is that the, I assume that's the guy from the last issue right at the very end, the kind of gang-running, drug-dealing guy. Is it somehow, somehow, and I, I can't do the mental gymnastics right now as I'm saying that loud, but like, is it somehow like 616 miles because Jefferson Davis was the scorpion? Is this another, you know, is that somehow going to be miles for this universe? And is that part of what's going to lead into the whole generations and the spider-man 2 event and all of that i don't know i don't know i don't know if this is going to directly tie into that stuff i feel like 
the way Brian Michael Bendis was talking about it is that Spider-Man 2 will be the answer to Spider-Man. And I don't know if this arc will necessarily specifically answer that question just yet, or even hint at that question just yet. I wonder if Mr. D is, or whoever he is, is one of the kind of first original Miles Morales Spider-Man villains. He's not a version of another Peter Parker. He's not a scorpion. He's not a black cat. He's not a whatever else. Miles is going to get a proper nemesis, a proper villain. And we're talking about street-level Spider-Man. That guy is definition of street level. He's running drugs by the sounds of it. He's got gangs of muscle. He's not some cosmic superpowered being or anything. As far as we know, he is just a guy who does illegal stuff who's going to get in the way of Spider-Man. And I like that. Yeah. I'm 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 on board to see some street level Miles Morales Spider-Man stuff and see him take on somebody we haven't seen before cuz we kind of know Oh, how do you beat Hammerhead? You let him run into a wall with his head until he gets fired. Or, <laughs> right. or whatever. We've seen these villains defeated hundreds and hundreds of times in the last 50 years. But new characters and new villains, we don't know. He could, maybe he is superpowered. We have no idea, and I love that. That's the mystery, that's the intrigue that, that has kind of got me interested. On the Black Cat side of things, I'm with you, Brian. I don't care what she has to say or the whole kind of like oh it's a gang war like I, that doesn't make a difference to me that's not what got me excited it's the mystery and the potential of this new character and new villain for miles that's got me excited it was, I, I just can't get enough of street level spider i mean like you said like we've been craving it for so long and it's it's great to see it being realized and so far i think it's it's being executed pretty well we didn't mentioned it when we were talking about the art, but I think that's even captured in the cover uh, by Patrick Brown. Granted, his style is a lot lighter and brighter um, than the the tone and vibe of this issue, but it still captures that kind of everyday hero. I mean, there's the police chasing the the robbers, and yet there's a little girl who's caught up in this, and that's who Spider-Man goes to save. It's such a great image. Um, It's just... The style, it just doesn't quite fit, but the, the idea, and actually, I mean, it's a beautiful image on its own, don't, don't get me wrong, mm. but um, it suggests a lot, that yeah, a, a lot happier definitely. story is waiting within, within <laughs> the pages. But it, I mean, it, at the same time, it, it still, it's for me, is still capturing that like everyday street level Spidey. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Should we get to our three word summaries for this issue? Uh, yeah. What do you got? I it's a, it, I found it a bit difficult to sum up this issue because while it's not like a, a barn burner like Spider-Gwen number 19 or anything like that, it's not doesn't feel as fast-paced. A lot happens in very separate sections. And I wanted to say a really good start. Like, this is a great start for Basil Doer and for this new kind of art going forward and things. Like, I feel like... I, I really enjoyed Kadransky, and I would have liked to have seen a few more issues from him. But as we've said, Oscar's doing an amazing job, and I'm in, I'm excited to see where he goes from here. So I think he's off to a great start, and I think this story and the where it's going with the kind of black cat is off to a good start as well. Yeah, that was <laughs> my response is similar. I, I feel like a grade school teacher, but all I can say is like, keep it up. Like this is <laughs> like in terms of writing. You can tell term- which one of us is a dad. Yeah, right. <laughs> great job, kids. There you go. That'll be my. 
Great job, kids. Great job, kids. Uh, honestly, to like Brian Michael Bendis and Oscar Belton. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, writing, art. I mean, pacing, and there's balancing the cast. I mean, it just there's a lot going on. I think the Black Cat is still the weak link for me. Uh, but it was more than balanced out by the by the other other good stuff happening. And there there is a lot sure. on this issue. So, listeners, that is what we thought of this issue, but we would love to hear from you. So, drop us a line. Head on over to ultimatespinpodcast.com. Click on Talk to Us. Tell us what you thought. You can also connect with us on Twitter at The Ultimate Spin, Facebook at Ultimate Spin Podcast, and on Instagram at Ultimate underscore Spin underscore Podcast. We use the hashtags Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Spider-Gwen. And if you want to catch up with other episodes, including our recent episode on Spider-Gwen number 19, you can find us over on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Just search for Ultimate Spin. Jack, if folks want to find out more about you, where can we find you on the internet? I'm JLW Chambers on basically everything. If you want to find me on Facebook or on Twitter, uh, I host a bunch of other podcasts as well. Uh, The most recent one, and one I'd like to kind of plug, is one called Sequelizers which is uh, spelt the British way with an S. It's all the S's, no no Z's or Z's in there. And it's uh, two teams of people, friends of mine, who uh, pitch ideas to fix the bad sequels that followed very good movies. So episode one is Jaws 2. Jaws is a classic. Jaws 2 is terrible. <laughs> how, can we, how can we fix Jaws 2? And these um, two teams of two people, Stuart and Alec of one team, Matt and Tom on the other, pitch ideas to me, the host, and I decide who wins. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we've been getting a great response so far. And uh, sequelizers.com is the place to go for that podcast. How about you, Brian? As for me, uh, you can check out other podcasts I've been working on, as well as my Twitter and Instagram feeds over at project37.net. That's it for us for now. But coming up, Spider-Gwen number 20. Who is the Earth-65 Wolverine? find out all about that and more in our next episode thanks as always for listening and we'll catch you soon on the ultimate spin <laughs>